sitting here to my left, the one and only Craig Bowler, Jack. Oh, What's up, Bowler? Good to see you both. Good to see you, In buddy. person, mind you. And it's good to be in this building, and I'm excited to do some summer league on the floor tonight. Before uh, you do that, Bowler, will you settle an argument between Jake and oh, me? Geez. Oh, boy. I, I say that Gladiator was a great movie, and Russell Crowe's acting was great in that uh, role. He says it. The movie was, not was good. fine, but the Russell Crowe, I mean, nothing to write home about. Now, Joaquin Phoenix, on the other hand, was terrific. Bowler, will you help me out here? <laughs> Um, thumbs do you, down do you, do you from Bowler. No, that was Joaquin up there, you know, on the on his on his throne, you know. Thumbs do you, down. Do you know that real in real life, the thumbs the thumbs up was the one that got him killed, and thumbs down was the one that really. That's, that's what, what got I, how did it get lost in translation I, I then, know. or am I just lost? I, I I just read that somewhere. I thought thumbs down means like off with their head. Yeah, I I've read somewhere what was the other way around, but I could. You know what? It, it was a good movie. I tell you one that surprised me. I thought Troy, Troy, uh, the uh, movie Troy with Brad Pitt. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah, he was good. I thought that was pretty good. Better than I expected. Huh. Well, Megan's over here bobbing her head up and down. I wonder why she loved that movie. Uh, a guy named Pitt. Yeah, it could be. Maybe. Uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Legolas was in that movie too. What's his name? Uh, uh, the guy who's with Katy Perry now. I don't know. Orlando Bloom. Oh, Orlando. See, I'm so glad Megan's here. She's so helpful on the Golly, pop culture stuff. Obviously, a we're movie just, you know, aficionado. We're just over here drowning. <laughs> what do you think of 300? <laughs> Very bloody. You didn't see 300? Yes, it is bloody. 300. Gerard good. Butler was really good in that. I mean, yeah. All right. Leonidas. I think they charcoaled or drew on those eight yeah, packs. They did. I think they did. Uh, anywho, <laughs> should we talk? Some, I told my wife. Should we anyway. talk some uh, basketball? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, let's start here, Bowler. You know what I, I'm stoked about summer league? Same reason I was excited to go to the Pac-12 Media Day last week. And uh, it's, it's, it's normal. This is what yeah. we do. This is yeah. what we do in the NBA offseason. We're here. We're watching basketball. And it it feels good to it feels good to be sitting next to you. you yeah, know? It feels great. And it feels good to be here. I know there's still some restrictions. I've got to have a red dot on my credential. But we're actually going to call. I haven't been on the floor um, at any arena since Oklahoma City. Wow. So to be back calling uh, these next three days uh, with Thursday off with Big T, I, I'm, I can't wait. You know, you and I were talking before we came on the air. It's, you know, with teams you really are not that familiar with, except a few names, and the Jazz have two teams, white and blue. Uh, it kind of feels a little NCAA tournament-like, just because you're inhaling as much information as you can about players that you're not that familiar with. You saw them maybe in college a little bit. But, you know, there's also a lot of players that have been overseas. You forgot about them. And a couple of players hit my mind like, oh, they're still around? And they're, they're you know, 26 years old, still still trying to chase the dream to be an NBA player. They may have been here once, and it didn't work, and they left. And then they hope to get their, you know, they grow their game. And, Another opportunity to find a, a roster in the NBA. So, Bowler, obviously some people are disappointed that uh, Jared Butler won't be participating because of procedural issues, right? But who is there? Who on this on this that will be on the floor for either of the Jazz teams? Are you most curious about that? Who is it that you think maybe this guy? can help the team well with Derek favors um and again all these reports i have to say this because i'm a jazz employee you know everything is still in flux right 
um, you know, Mike and, and, and Rudy Gay. Those are all reported uh, to be going down. But, you know, if everything stands as status quo, for me, uh, the D Faves move would indicate that uh, Azabuki has an incredible opportunity to show really what he's all about. And, you know, the injury last year uh, in the bubble, you know, really sideline. That's bad. That was a bad injury. In fact, you know, when you first see it, you almost think, you know, he broke it. But uh, the ankle. But I think for Doak, this is a big a big uh, couple of weeks, not only here in Salt Lake, but down in Las Vegas to show, you know, what a seven-footer can do and can he earn backup minutes behind Gobert. He's a different kind of player than Rudy, more powerful, more to the, you know, where he can post up and probably – muscle in a little bit more, but still good feet, runs the floor. I'm anxious to see what he's all about. He, he jumps out at me first and foremost. And then secondly, I think Jarrell Brantley intrigues me too. He's a big, powerful guy. Uh, he's been in the, the system now two years. Uh, they're looking for him to be kind of a to, – to, to take it to that next level as well. And, you know, I've seen him play in regular season games. It's mop-up minutes mostly. So it's hard to really get a grip on any of these guys. They brought back on the white team. There's two teams, blue and white, but Forrest and Hughes, Azabuki, Jarrell Brantley, and Juwan Morgan. Those five Jazz fans know quite a bit about. And I think really uh, with the way the salary cap has been stated and the money the Jazz are reported, reportedly putting out this season, those five players, again, are important. Will they keep them all? No. Uh, will some be reassigned to the D League? Most likely, but maybe one or two maybe shakes off the two-way deal and maybe they actually become roster players. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think it's interesting. Gordon and I mentioned Brantley, too. I, I'm excited to see him play because I do think that that potential is there and, and he needs those minutes. But, Bowler, we've seen it over the years a bunch. You know, guys play their way onto the roster and then play their way up. I mean, we can list guys on the roster now. Joe Ingles, uh, Royce O'Neal, George Niang. I mean, those three started out as summer league-type guys who were trying to battle for a spot, and then they keep improving and, and getting better. And I realize they so, signed Joe after summer league, but I think everybody kind of gets what we're getting at. And Brantley's the type of dude who I, I think the defense is there. The attitude is there. Can he round out the skills and make enough shots? Then all of a sudden he can become that next Royce O'Neal who all of a sudden starts stacking up the minutes because the coaches have confidence in him. You know, I'll share you a couple of lines that I'll use in the broadcast tonight, but uh, Brian Bailey uh, is going to run, be the head coach of the white team. And we had a long talk with him uh, yesterday and quote on Brantley, Gordon and, and, and Jake, this is a, a great compliment. One of the most versatile jazz players. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, that's, a, that's quite a compliment for a kid out of the College of Charleston. And then Brantley responds by saying, as to us, he himself is his biggest critic. So he knows his highs and lows, uh, and he definitely is focused to – to, to be a difference maker. You know, there's open roster spots, and there's a couple guys here that the Jazz hope uh, can prove that they can play at this level. I think we both agree with you on Brantley. I do. Uh, Jake's a little more into uh, Azabuki than I am, but uh, I, Brantley seems like a guy 
and we've had him on the show, that has the right attitude to make the jump or at least to edge in the right direction. I love these stories around the NBA of guys who are like second-round picks or free agents who find their way into a useful role. I love that stuff because what does it do? It, 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 it makes you believe that there's hope out there, not just somebody who's been great from the day they were born, but somebody who works his butt off to get there. Quick, quick addendum to that. Duncan Robinson just signed the biggest yeah. deal for an undrafted player wow. ever this offseason. Was so, it 50-some million? I'd have to go back and double-check, but a nice, nice payday. To, yeah, to your yeah. point. Guys, I mean, if you work hard, work still will earn yourself a dream. I mean, situations have to happen. But if you work, I think Jerry uh, Jerry Sloan always said, uh, the late, great Jerry Sloan, you know, he just wants you to work. And sometimes young adults forget how to work. It's not given to you, not at this level. And you have to work to achieve that next level. And that's everyone we're talking about here from – uh, you know, Daquan Jeffries with the San Antonio Spurs, and I'm just going through some of my boards. Even even Desmond Bain, who's a second-round pick, is here and who was an impact player for the Grizzlies last season and also made his name known during the playoffs with Utah. He's here. Sean McDermott. I mean, there's, there's just a, a, a plethora of names that you'll probably remember when we start, you know, into this next – all this week of, of basketball before they head to Las Vegas, but – the stories you guys were talking about boxing coming in great storylines gordon as you mentioned because of where they've been where they're going and how they got there same same thing with a lot of these players who maybe grew up without a father or a mother but also basketball was the out and here they are with a chance to live the dream some walk away disappointed but at least they know they've been given a shot and that's that's what summer league's about trying to find you know, it's overused, but it's it's the diamond in the rough. I think, you know, Royce O'Neal is one of those players. I mean, look at the payday he, he earned a year ago. But there's players that are overlooked, even like Butler. I mean, he goes from a lottery pick most likely to a 40th selection by the Jazz. It may be a steal. There were concerns. He knew about his heart condition in college, but a lot of guys probably backed off. The Jazz checked it out. Uh, with the league, with three doctors, and they're satisfied with the report, he could be a steal, and you have to have that luck. I keep thinking of a guy named Malone and a guy named Stockton, middle first-round picks that were overlooked by multiple, multiple teams, and they become Hall of Famers. You never know what the story, how the story will end. Well, Mitchell and Gobert, throw that in yeah, there Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we talked about Malik Monk just signed a vet minimum deal with the Lakers. That was the player that, uh, that Michael Jordan liked more than Donovan Mitchell. And so it's it's just interesting how it plays out. And, and GMs can't be 100% effective, but you've got to hit. And when you hit, you know, you've got, got to hit, hit it big. out of the bar. It's triple yep. sevens across the slot machine, right? Yep. <laughs> Whether you're playing dollars or pennies uh, on the slots. But when it, when it hits, it, it's, it's the sound of the – it's a great sound of the music, you know. But you're right about Donovan and Gobert. I mean, Denver probably is scratching their heads still to this day about how that all happened. But it's about scouting. But I'm still a believer it's about the system. If you have the skill set for that particular team, like Joe Ingles had, has for the Jazz, then that's the reason why you stick. And I think right now that's, you know, the Jazz may be looking to, to, to be a little smaller. 
I think that Jarrell Brantley fits what you guys are saying at 6'7", 240, athlete, get a little rough on the defensive side after what happened with the Clippers in round two. I think they want some options uh, from big and maybe can, can play a little more small ball if needed because that's where the league's going. Yep. Every coach I've talked to so far has mentioned exactly the same thing, especially San Antonio, which has always been ahead of development of players, but it's pass, dribble, and shoot. They don't care how big or small you are. That's what they want you to become, whether you're 6'5", 6'7". But right now, if you're 6'7", to 6'9", and can handle the ball and shoot the three, you've got a great shot to make it in this league. Especially if you're willing to play some defense along the way. Well, that's that's totally part of it, right? Because then you can guard multiple positions, which is so, so incredibly valuable. I mean, that's... I mean, if there's been a legacy Draymond Green's left in the NBA is that if you can guard one through five, or and even LeBron for that matter, but if you can guard multiple positions, there's a ton of value there. And speaking of these great stories, there's a fellow who's known as the Joker in Denver. Turned out pretty well. What was he, a 40? What was he, 40? He was in the second round. Yeah. Was, was he in the 40s? Pick, yeah. Yeah. No joke, right? I mean, Pun, no pun intended, but <laughs> no, that was a, a real great, Gordon a, move right no, there. Just a great story. <laughs> I want to use that as a drop line. For, <laughs> no joke. But, but, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to see uh, players who are underrated, underrated or under, underappreciated. But I think, again, you guys know that any of us in any business, if you're not thought of highly, it, only, it, it can drive some people away. But I think a, a, for an athlete at, these le- at this level, it should motivate you. How many great stories have you written about guys who said, nah, no chance? Michael Jordan, by the way, he said it on his, in his Hall of Fame speech that he, you know, he didn't make his high school team as a junior, I think it was. And so he, you know, all that did was either turn a switch and said, no, 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 that's not the way it's going to be. And the rest is history. But I like that. I like to see how young individuals in the Olympics or whether it's in the NFL or in the NBA, how they take someone. One person cannot dictate your career. And I've always told that to people. I mean, at the network level, I got hired by people then who left, and then you have to almost go back and prove yourself, but it's a motivator. And you always fear a little bit that they've got a next guy behind you, and some realities they do. But it also makes you giddy up a little bit. All right, so I want to switch gears from from basketball for a second and talk to you about college football. Well, but one thing very specific because I want to run something by you because you worked for CBS and you did a bunch of SEC games. SEC. So the S the Fox and and ESPN split the Big Twelve, but a under talked about story ESPN pushed CBS out of oh, yeah. the SEC business, which I can't a, believe. I I'm shocked because that was a, a total legacy thing, right? There was a rumor when I was there. And I left and went to Fox, and I started doing Pac-12, Big 12. But I still stayed in touch with a lot of people that I knew in the SEC, and they were all asking me the same question. Do you really think that the guys are going to give this up? And I said, it just can't be. I mean, I, uh, I started, Vern Lundquist and I, we would switch off doing early or late doubleheaders on CBS. It's just the way it was. And if Vern had something else to do, like golf, I would do late. He'd do early so he could catch a plane. It, you know, it didn't matter. But every game had such impact and magnitude, not only in the conference but college football on a, on a weekly yeah. basis. And I'm just stunned that CBS has backed off that package, which is the, which is the most 
It is. It is the it's the granddaddy of yeah. them all. It's the college football package. It is. It's the thing to have. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And, and so now Texas and Oklahoma coming over. But this, wow. to me, Bowler, felt like a TV power play as much as it did anything else. It's ESPN saying we want it all under our umbrella and our umbrella only. And then the Big 12 sends a cease and desist letter to ESPN that says you've got to knock it off, stop talking to people because you're trying to sink us. And yeah. I thought I thought I, I I would be curious to see the behind the scenes of the oh, television oh, component of oh. this. Pretty They're, nasty bowler. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean I've been privy to a, a little bit in my career and you just kind of are uh, the next order of business is that uh, okay, broadcasters. Let's take you down to you know to the room five, and we'll give you the schedule, and we'll talk about what production elements we're going to use. And then some of the heavyweights would stay there in the room and close the door. Uh, I mean, the the money, Jake and Gordon, as as you both know, is outrageous, and I don't think it's good for college football. Look, I don't think it's good for Oklahoma or Texas. The what I know of the SEC is that they'll be lucky to be middle of the pack. Now, they had chances to be a powerhouse in, the in, well, what was the old Big 8? Believe me, it was at K-State. Oklahoma, Nebraska uh, was what we always talked about, and Texas came over, if I'm not mistaken, from the Southeastern Conference. Right. So Oklahoma, Nebraska ruled. Texas comes in and spoils it for a couple of teams. K-State was trying to make their move. A little bit, and they did, but it's going to always be up and down when you have that, those schools you're competing against. But think about what Texas has to do. Think about what, <laughs> I mean, Oklahoma will have to do up against Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Georgia. The list goes on and on. But it's all about this, Bowler. But you isn't that a shame? Yeah. I mean, it's not about winning. Look, coaches aren't going to survive long because the alums, they don't care because the bottom line is – the school may be getting a lot of dough, but in reality, the fans in the stands and in the in, in the parking lots at Auburn and Alabama and Tuscaloosa, those 30,000 folks want one thing. While they party and have some beer and brats, it's about the next, na- the next national championship. I don't see that happening for Texas or Oklahoma. I don't either. Why do you and, think uh, Bama just uh, – what contract did Nick Saban just get? From now till Kingdom Come, yeah, it was right. at, uh, what eleven million a year or something? Is it ridiculous? And now Florida State and Clemson, the rumors are that they want in. I don't know how much legitimacy there is to that, but but the fascinating part about that is there's been this block in the SEC where they don't want other teams from the same state in the SEC, right? They, that uh, that Kentucky doesn't want Louisville, uh, South Carolina doesn't want Clemson. Um, what am I missing? Florida oh, Georgia doesn't, doesn't want, want Georgia. Florida, State. Florida doesn't want Florida State. Uh, Georgia doesn't want Georgia Tech. But all of a sudden, they kind of violated that, right, when they told Texas A&M to stand down and and kind of wedge Texas in there. So now all of a sudden, do those objections to the same state schools uh, but be put to the side, right? Do you guys, because you guys, I thought a lot about this. Do the fans care that it's a monopoly and your champion most likely will always come out of the SEC? What happens to the Pac-12, the Big 12, now what, Big 10? I think fans care a lot. I do, too. I think rivalries are broken, right, in conference matchups. I mean, BYU had some rivalries in their day before they went independent, and they're always trying to, you know, find a high-level game to give them credibility. 
I wonder what ESPN is thinking about BYU right now. I mean, is BYU going to make a jump, or are they still going to stand alone outside this this mega of mega conferences? Or do, does somebody try to draw them back in to make them uh, in the Big Big Twelve? Or I mean, what a blow to the Midwest, by the way. And television, they will never see the light of day. Maybe on a regional network or on ESPNU or the Ocho. But, I mean, college football will be dominated by the SEC. Well, think about it if it keeps growing, too. I mean, I don't know whether Florida State or Clemson. I just saw that report yesterday. I don't know whether if there's teeth to it or not. But if this Super League keeps growing and growing, we talked about a 16-team league. What if it grows to 20, 25, 26 teams? You do what, and four then, quadrants or, or yeah, you know, then yeah, interplay that's, that's and then, say. you know, and a then semifinal more, or, I mean. But what you said is right. What happens to what happens to everybody else? What happens to Utah? What happens to BYU? What happens to Utah State? What happens to Kansas State, KU? Uh, you know, it's. I know there's a big piece of pie out there, but most of it's going to be eaten by the SEC. Let's be honest. And the recruiters, now with the fact that you can recruit by saying image, likeness, whatever else. the the Image, image. name, name, image, and likeness. Think about that. I I heard they already signed a kid at Ohio State who's 17. Skipping his senior year. Who skipped his senior year. And, and because and, he can be a millionaire by the time he gets becomes a Buckeye, and he could be a, he could be a starting quarterback. By Nick said, his quarterback has never played a down in college football. Is already locked up for like a million dollars or something. What's I know his name is it Bryce Young. Yep, is that his name. Uh-huh. I know you got to go, but I remember well during, doing SEC games, and Nick Saban said this to us in our meeting. He goes, "Look, man, I I know I got a you know stable of running backs, but you got to see the two kids I have over in the." dormitory that are redshirting i mean just a corral a stockpile of talent some get angry and can't handle it and leave because they think or they've been promised they'll see the field but there's always a plan of how how all those players are stacked up and which one drops in and if one gets hurt one one is dropped in they don't miss a beat that's how deep bama georgia lsu auburn that whole that whole conference is but you know jake I'm still stunned that my old my old stomping ground at 13 years at CBS, 13 years in the SEC. I think this is their last year before they hand it all yep. to ESPN. And I'm just stunned that CBS was such a big player in college football has stepped aside. I am, I'm just stunned. It's almost like when uh, when Monday Night Football left ABC, right? Yeah, and uh, or was it no left NBC? Ah, well, it was it's ABC a, originally, then it jumped, right? To, right. Yeah. So when they left ABC, I thought, how could that be? Right, right, because they mean, helped build the product. I mean, the CBS helped build, build the, the SEC. SEC. Yeah, they what? were as close as this. Yeah, right. And now ESPN, uh, I think CBS, um, their secondary channel may – Randy Cross and I did some uh, Navy games, and there may be some Big Ten games that are available on, this, on their secondary channel or their streaming channels or whatever. Streaming is going to be it, guys. That's where the money is. That's what they're all expecting to get is that you want to see your team. And if you're not on in the SEC on ESPN 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5, then you're going to have to stream and pay for it. Mm-hmm. How about the mouse? The mouse is muscling everybody out. Change in college football. Uh, Thanks a lot, Mick. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, Bowler, you're the best. So excited to be watching the games tonight. Uh, glad you're going to be on the call with yeah. Earl. It's Big T and I will be uh, courtside, and I'm so excited to see players up close. First time in two years. I don't know what to do. You know who's doing radio tonight? <laughs> yeah, David James. Our guy, David Sniggledorf And James. little Tim McComb Tim alongside. Tim Yep. Who we saw rock and roll about a month ago. Tell you what, he did rock, didn't he? <laughs> Axel, he I mean, Axel Rose has got nothing on Tim Lacombe. <laughs> right. he, he, he sang his voice right out, didn't he? He, he did. By yeah. that third set, he was toast. <laughs> <laughs> but Tim's going to be on the call with DJ, and then, of course, uh, Bowler and Thurl. Uh, on AT&T Sportsnet, so tune in. Thanks, Bowler. Actually, NBA TV and oh, KJazz. Oh, NBA TV and KJazz. NBA TV and KJazz tonight. So local and national, um, I'm excited to get back at it and uh, just got to calm T down. He feels, I think he feels like, uh, you know, he's back on his rookie year. Well, Bowler's <laughs> going to be, how come I can see everything so clearly? Yeah, what is this? Clear, I'm going to start right singing. I can see clearly now. Uh, NBA TV, that's cool. So you're yeah. going to be all over. Yeah. That's well, a big uh, deal. I got that's a couple awesome. buddies that got a lot of uh, interest in the Grizzlies down south. So ah. we'll, uh, we'll have a little southern exposure down there tonight, too. So uh, looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for letting me stop by. Thanks, Bowler. See ya. All right. We'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.